Podcast. This is a podcast focused on lessons learned via the musician's backstory, as well as building successful careers in the business. My name is Allison M., and I'll be interviewing artists and industry experts and offering insights based on events Wisconsin Music Ventures has produced. Let's get down to business. In the studio today, I have with me Aureli of Anson Obvious and the Uncomfortable Moments. Did yeah. I get it? Yes, thank okay. you. Okay. <laughs> thank you for bearing with me on that. No, everybody gets it wrong. It's fine. <laughs> I should know this. I've seen your band. I've, I, I just listened to them. So, um, But thank you so much for being here. And um, I mean, I just want to start. Well, where should I start? Let's start with like since COVID. Like what have you been up to since COVID? Um, You've been up to a lot. Yeah, we, we haven't really took a break from music. We've been recording and making videos all through. Um, the great opportunity for live streams. We did Coping with Dystopia. We did a Reptile Palace uh, live stream with um, Jazz Core Friction and um, a couple other things. Glacier Valley live stream. Might have done one more for Party Marty. Um, but yeah, uh, the live streams the full band live streams were really fun like I didn't think that um you know just a whole like worldwide shutdown to um physical social activity would like really boost our inner creativeness and just and just um get get in touch with areas of music and production wise and um, that that we would normally have never gone to, like mm-hmm. those areas we would normally ever gone to, like so much live stream. And then it's a lot different than like actual like live shows because you got creative control over your environment mm-hmm. before you decide to stream. Um, you decide what your backgrounds are, like what you, what your lighting is, and it's. Um, what you're gonna wear, you know, it's it's like we've I've I've um like for coping with dystopia I did like a whole fire theme where I projected a firelight on a on a on a screen behind us mm-hmm. and then one in front of us so it looked like we're playing we we played our set in Hellfire, which nice. was pretty cool. And then we had like um animations projecting like in the middle of the screen that went to each song we did. It's That's stuff really cool. like that, like the whole se- just setting that up is something you can't do on stage. Mm-hmm. Like as far as like a lot of shows that we play where it's like three or four bands playing one night and you got like, you know, set up and take down time mm-hmm. on, on, a, on a small bar stage. So we really took advantage of the artistic control we had in our live streams. Nice. And how long have you been together as a band? We started on my birthday, April 7th, um, 2018. Okay. So a couple of years now. So, yeah, I've been doing solo for a couple of years before that. And then I've had, I used to go to a lot of open jams and open mics. And these, uh, the first band members, uh, Sonny and George, 
came up to me and they're like, well, if you ever want to, you know, do a full band, let us know. And then um, uh, one of uh, Ricky Orta Jr.'s open mics, open jams happened to land on my birthday. I'm like, hey, I wanted, I want this day for, for my birthday to be a featured artist. And since it's an open jam, I want to get a band together. So I taught a couple guys my songs. And since then, my band's been growing like I'm still the only original member, but since then the band's been growing. Right now we're up to like seven people. Oh wow, that's great. What style of music would you consider it? Um, I try to go more towards the novelty shock value. Yeah. Um, it's definitely, we definitely not confined to style. We do hip hop, we do country. Um, all original, the only things they have in common is that, uh, um, the re like the, the, the fact that I'm writing the song to get like a shock reaction out of somebody, whether it's like a surprise ending or just vulgar lyrics, like all the way through, but I won't just throw in vulgar, vulgar lyrics. I want to use them poetically in the way where somebody can say that's beautiful and grotesque at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you want, you're hoping for a reaction from the audience. Definitely. Yeah. And um, people love it. Like, yeah. People love to get shocked or, you know, question like, did he really say, or did she really say um, what, I'm, I'm gender fluid, by the way, so I go with, with he or she. Um, did, did she really say that? Um, and... You know, are they really going to go there? So. Nice. So, I mean, what kind of reactions have you gotten to your music? Can you give me of like an, an example of one of your songs that gets the strongest reactions? And it's okay if, if there's like we can, um, you know, check the box that says, yeah. like, <laughs> um, what's, what's the term? Um, can we use profanity? Yeah. Okay. yeah well, <laughs> as long as we alert um, the, the system. <laughs> originally, I think the song that turned the most heads was when I did a lot of solo. I don't do as much as yeah. bad anymore, but blow my mind. And the lyrics are, if you want to blow my load, then you got to blow my mind. <laughs> and um, it was from, the song is written from a strong, like, from like, a male perspective as far as um, having somebody interested in them and just, you know, thinking, you know, kind of somebody is like, I wouldn't say you're better than anybody else, but like, I'm not into all that stuff you're into kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But the it's it's just one of those songs where it's like, I mean, people love it. Like, whether no matter like what, uh, if you're if you're from a religious background or you know whatever culture background you mm -hmm. are, like, like especially women, it's like women can relate to those lyrics. I think more than guys. But um, I wrote it specifically from like my asexual. Mm -hmm. Um, point of view mm -hmm. so it's it's I'm not really um, trying to date or I don't mm -hmm. want to date or I'm not interested in dating so it's like but if you want to try to like win my heart you know you gotta have brains mm -hmm. pretty much mm -hmm. um, 
Yeah, and so much of your music is just really just entertaining and thought-provoking. And, you know, um, are people prepared for that when, when they come to see your shows? A lot of people that come to see my shows now are because, you know, they're just fans who want to come back. And then there's, uh, and then there's um, like, people that will leave the audience, mm -hmm. like, before I even start playing. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's interesting. What does that feel like? I mean, are you okay with that? Have you? Um, I'm not hurt by it. Like, you know, I just think, well, um, they probably won't get it anyways. Right, right. Like, I have a, I have a sense of pride, and I will often feel like, well, you know, they, 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 they probably, if they don't accept me for who I am right away. I don't really want them to be there in the first place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, totally. I know I love that. And actually, I mean, this I, this isn't exactly the context that I heard it in, but um, you know, anytime there's any sort of I don't know, sort of rejection of, at any level, whether it's like people unsubscribing from your e-newsletter to people just not interested in your music to any sort of like people walking away from your show, um, you you almost want that because you want the people there for you to be the ones who really want to be there. Um, you know, it, you almost yeah, you want that rejection at some level. Um, that's kind of a trick that I think uh, a business coach of mine told me at one point in time. Mm -hmm. Like you want the people who are there for you to be really there for you and let's weed those others out so that we don't even have to to think about them um think about being worried about offending them or something just let the people who are there for you really be there for you um that's and that's what's nice about this music scene too that it's it's not huge mm -hmm. but it's very intimate mm -hmm. like you got musicians supporting musicians uh, um i got you know i'm big fans of a lot of local musicians and the same and I get the same love in, in return um, and I, I do my best to you know show my fan base for these people mm -hmm. you know wear their t-shirts and you know as much as I can um, cover their songs at uh, Glacier Valley I covered um, a Satiri song and a Tacoma Washington Weekly Club song like mm -hmm. as a full band and um, it went over well um, only there's there's an incident that happened where they weren't allowed to play mm. and a lot of people really didn't agree with that decision interesting so as a really good friend of them and I just you know I played their songs so yeah yeah and then I did uh, um, in I believe 2018 and 2019 I did a series called 11 Songs by 11 Waksha Musicians, where I learned 11 songs, um, full 11 songs by Waksha artists. Nice. I'm, I'm from Waukesha, by the way. Yeah. And I, I um, and then at the end of the year, I would make a, like a, a medley. Cool. Try, try to put all those 11 songs together. That's And really I did cool. that for two years in a row, but... Um, 2020, I knew was already going to be a busy uh, year for um, my like my projects, so I didn't continue with that for 2020. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Nice. So, tell me more about where you're from and like you know what you grew up doing. How did you get into music to begin with? You're from Waukesha. Mm -hmm. um, what what led you into music? Well, I was born in West Dallas. Okay. Um, my my parents. Um, 
moved to West Dallas because their house in Waukesha was getting torn down. Okay. And then um, they moved to West Dallas, and then they had me, and then they moved back to Waukesha, like, when I was just a few months old. Mm -hmm. So I should have been born in Waukesha, but, um, you know, they... Details. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but yes, um, music... My dad has a huge record collection. He doesn't like it when I tell the public this because <laughs> it's, you know, value-wise, like yeah. it's just. But he's he's um, he was always spinning records. He's getting paid to DJ. I was always going with him. Oh, nice. Um, he played. He has a Les Paul Gibson, and um, I met a lot of famous people, like celebrities, uh, musicians, with him, because mm -hmm. he his hobby is to get autographs. So, um, I mean, you, there's, there's a huge chance that any popular musician, like from the nineties or earlier, he has probably met or been in their trailer or whatever, mm -hmm. like he can just bring records and hold them up and, uh, like a band member will see him and be like, oh my God, I didn't know that record existed. Mm -hmm. Cause it's like rare stuff. So I'm going to say. He probably has over 10,000 records, and wow. maybe a third of them are autographed. Wow. But they're not, like, notarized, so he has, like, no proof, that, you know. Yeah, yeah. Get, which costs a lot of money, too. But Sure. Yeah. But, wow. yeah, I've actually was with him when he got his Les Paul Gibson signed by Les Paul. Wow. And Les Paul's from Waukesha. Right. So. I was just going to say that's a really big deal. Uh, especially being from Waukesha, um, that's that's really really cool. So, did your dad play guitar as well? He did when he was um, a teenager. He was in a rock band called The Hinge, and they came out with a forty-five. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. And and when did you start playing music? I first picked up um, bass guitar when I was thirteen. I wanted to start a band because uh, I wasn't really that great of a singer as a teenager. Like going through the whole voice changing process and I didn't know how to use it like when I was before that point I could really hit some high notes falsetto with my kid voice and yeah um some I could just bust out some really beautiful notes when I was a child and I had a hard time controlling that when I was a teenager mm -hmm. like and um th um this I, I I wanted to start a band I wanted to be a singer because I knew lyrics mm -hmm. for like hundreds and hundreds of songs, and I was always singing them. People are always like, "Start a band, start a band." So I went. Mm -hmm. So I, I I went and did that. I got band members together. I went to uh, Central Middle School in Waukesha. I got some band members together, and um, we uh, they I got a guitarist, a drummer, and like surprisingly was able to find like enough people to form a whole band except for a bass player and we did ask a couple of bass players in our class and they both said no mm -hmm. so i decided to learn myself teach myself mm -hmm. bass guitar so a neighbor from across the alley sold me his bass guitar and amplifier all together f for a hundred dollars not bad. Andy threw in a cornet, so I, <laughs> I learned the cornet slash trumpet cool. around then too. And um, so you were self-taught. Uh, kind of. Uh, my dad. I I took the bass guitar home. My dad showed me three notes into I believe like 
the three notes like Louie, Louie, Wild Thing. Dun, yeah. Dun, 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 dun. And so that was like the first thing I learned. And then after that, he's like, now here's how to play Inagata da Vida. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, that, that was, I jumped from that to Inagata da Vida. But we also learned, um, I also learned a bunch of our, my band's original songs too that we've been practicing when I was just on vocals. Yeah. So I jumped, I jumped in, so there really was not much time to learn as far as like building up to a band. It was just like I learned as I was playing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Nice. So what was the name of your first band? Psychopharmaceutical. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. And we, sp we spelt it uh, with an S, S-Y-K-O. And then farm was like. Uh, F A R M is a P H. Okay. And then, like for short, we said we call it Cycle Farm, and then like our logo was like a a cow with like bloodshot eyes with a <laughs> joint in its mouth. <laughs> so, I mean, would you say you were maybe into this novelty shock rock kind of stuff early on, or or was that was that a different I was, genre? I think in that time of my life, I was into a lot of punk rock and ska. Sure. Sure. But um, Nirvana and a lot of that 80s, uh, 90s grunge was really big. So uh, that first band, we covered a lot of Nirvana songs. And um, just just because the, the chords were easy yeah. to learn. I mean, it was, it was a, a great time to be a starting musician mm -hmm. because all the popular music was three or four chord mm -hmm. progressions. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it was manageable for sure. Yeah, so so how did you get from that time period to where you are now? So what did you do during that time? I after after so that was my middle school band. Mm -hmm. I was in a punk rock band in high school called Paschetti. Um after that I was in a band called Patsy because um my birth name is Anson, so my relatives sure. call me Patsy because Anson Williams was the actor who played Patsy on Happy Days. Ah, okay. So we had that, and then um, those were both, that was kind of a punk rock band. Um, and then uh, after, after uh, my senior year, I formed a band called Spiral Fracture with, <laughs> with some guys um, because our our bass player in that band like started off with a cast because he had a spiral fracture in a soccer game from okay. a soccer game, so he had to play one handed, but like he could play with his fingers on his broken arm, but he couldn't move it. <laughs> so every time he had to move him down frets, he had to stop strumming and move his hand, slide his hand up and down the frets. That's cool. With his and with his good arm, and then. Um, so that's how we came, came up with the name of that band. That band lasted about three years. One of the members went to rehab. We reformed it with, or we, we started it back. We continued without him. And then we stopped. And then when he got out of rehab, we started up again with a little bit different band member. Yeah. Uh, and a different guitarist. And then that guitarist who we started up with, um, I've been in bands with him since. He's not in Uncomfortable Moments, but he's the bass player now for uh, Virgin Ambition, which I currently play drums with. Okay, nice. 
Nice. So you have been in all sorts of bands. They have they all have amazing names, by the way. I like, you know, you should give a, a workshop on naming bands <laughs> because they're all just so like fun and memorable, you know, and some people ha- really struggle with that and I I just love them. Um and um but you've and you do, you do, you've done a lot in the open mic scene as well. Um, and that's actually how I met you is, is at an open mic. Yeah. And I just, um, so can you talk a little bit more on that? And like, you know, how, uh, what have open mics done for you? Well, I'm going to start with open mics are for everybody, no matter how open mics, open gems, no mm-hmm. matter how talented you are, how famous you are, mm-hmm. you are never too good to go to an open mic mm-hmm. and, you know, just congregate with other musicians and, you know, socialize and get to know mm-hmm the other musicians in your community it's it's where it's like the it's like our church where we all come together mm-hmm. o- any open mic or open jam anywhere mm-hmm. um and i've met some of the most amazing people um who are really growing in popularity who started off like two or three years ago on open mics um especially linemans mm-hmm. is definitely like a hub for that where people that's, that's where stars are born. You mm-hmm. wouldn't think so by showing up because it's not heavily advertised, but a lot of people that I know who are really growing in popularity, mm-hmm. like like um, Valerie Lightheart and Kala, mm-hmm. like I, I've seen them play in front of, you know, next to nobody at an open mic, mm-hmm. like at Liniments. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a great place to start out um, for st- new musicians. And then... Uh, Jim Jim Lineman is amazing. He'll give you like, if you ask for it, he'll give you like half an hour featured spot in a future uh, open mic. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's such a great, nice, supportive guy to mm-hmm. the local music scene. And um, I've I've been hosting my open mic in Waukesha for three years. That starts. It's the first Wednesday of every mm-hmm. month. And. Um, we get a lot of people from all over. I've had people come from Madison, Whitewater, and mm-hmm. just people that I've made friends with too. Like, and then we get strangers that I've never even seen. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's definitely. Um, again, I cannot say this enough. Um, all musicians need to go to open mics, no matter how skilled you are, how skilled you are, how you know far you are in your career. Um, even Prince showed up at local open jams. Mm-hmm. Um, after he's, you know, made millions of dollars selling records, he still continued throughout his life to show up at Open Jams and play. Mm-hmm. And people really, you know, love that. And that, that was not only, not only, like, he didn't need to do that. Right. But it was also good for, like, the draw as well. Like, other people would come in and be like, well, I wonder if Prince is going to be there. I want to mm-hmm. see him, you mm-hmm. know? So that's what we need. We need everybody to start coming to open mics and more. Mm-hmm. Like, there should be, every open mic should be on a Wednesday night. I, I have an exhaustive list. I don't know if you've seen it, but I, I repost it everywhere as much, and I'll consistently, like, add add to it. Um, another Another one that I haven't added to that list yet was the Kenosha Fusion, which also started up there, open mic as okay. well. So. Yeah, yeah. What would you say to the people who, you know, sometimes when there are really good musicians at open mic, some of the more up-and-coming people get more nervous to play uh, mm-hmm. or intimidated maybe. Um, what would you say to those types of people? Well, we've all been there and expect 
expect the worst. Mm -hmm. definitely your first time I mean you're going to be nervous just just be grateful if you do sound good and people compliment you mm -hmm. um, e e a lot of the open mics I go to even if you don't do a great job people will will not tell you oh that was terrible unless it's like some drunk first timer you know from out of town just like trucker some guy that knows nothing about mm -hmm. music or being nice or mm -hmm. doesn't have any other social life, you know, people, the reason why people wouldn't sell to your music, and I was thinking a lot about this, I think it all comes down to jealousy. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. the reason why people would say you're terrible, like, why would somebody want to tell you, even if the person is not good, why would you want to tell somebody that they're terrible? Mm -hmm. I don't get it. Mm -hmm. um, but as, as far as every open mic I've been to, like people that go to them, like regulars that go to them, regulars that sign up and play, nobody's going to tell you that you're terrible. Mm -hmm. Nobody's yeah. going to tell you that that sounds bad. They're going to, you know, they're going to say, you know, great job. That was brave of you to, right. you know, for your first time. And we're all really proud of you for doing this for your first time. And, and uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely, I mean, ex always expect the worst because it's not going to be the worst. I mean, you're gonna be, you're gonna be satisfied mm -hmm. if you do any bit better than what you thought it was gonna mm -hmm. be. Mm -hmm. For sure. Do you, so since you've run open mics for so long and been around them for so long, how, is there a particular trick to running a good open mic? What would you say to that? Um, no, <laughs> there is not. It's all um, like, one, actually one, one, uh, there's things that you shouldn't do. Mm -hmm. um, long pauses in mm -hmm. between acts. Get people up one right after another. Mm -hmm. It's like boom, boom, boom. Mm -hmm. I've been open mics and open jams where it's like 10 minutes has gone by and nobody's been on the stage yet. Mm -hmm. And this is, this is people who had their, who have had their open mic for the first time and people who have been doing this or get have like make a living doing gigs and mm -hmm. so yeah um you get, keep the energy going yeah and if nobody signed up to play you get up and play mm -hmm. yourself keep <laughs> the music going right so and in my open mic um even in between acts i'll always have music and it's always local music mm -hmm. like i'll take the um breaking and entering video playlist mm -hmm. um and then i'll i'll project it on the mm -hmm. back so oh, nice we always have the uh local music videos, you know, showing behind, even though the music is muted while they're playing, you'll still see, you'll still be watching local art behind you, behind this artist while they're performing their own stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that way, I mean, it's like, it's all about, you know, helping the music community grow. It's like, you're not, you're not just yourself growing, trying to grow in the music community and like, don't worry about getting famous. Worry, like, try to make your music scene big. Mm -hmm. Don't, and because, and, you know, power in numbers. Mm -hmm. We're a team, we're a group. Mm -hmm. And I believe that's, that's kind of what all the other, I mean, if we go that direction and keep moving and we're moving now, we could be like the next Seattle. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, um, this is, this, this is what will bring people to, our music scene mm -hmm. instead of people trying to leave like 
Milwaukee to mm-hmm. go to Seattle or New York or Chicago mm-hmm. to record. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Very much in agreement. And yeah, uh, I haven't been around a, a lot of open mics, except we were asked to start one. Um, th- the one that I met you at, um, because after COVID, you know, so many restaurants were, you know, f- trying to figure out ways to get people back in. And so that's how ours got started. We were asked to start one. And, um, and it's been so much fun because I, I come from a classical background. So I don't, you know, this is not exactly something that you're, you're accustomed to. But uh, so, I, you know, I, I asked one of the musicians that we work with a lot to, to help run it. And it has been so much fun. It is, I've never, you know, um, you know, it, it is where the, the networking happens in, in, in this sort of music, um, in non-classical music, I should say. And, um, and I just can't wait to start getting out to other people's. And I, I got to stop at yours for sure. So the first Wednesday of every month, you said, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And where is that at again? It's Billy D's. It's, okay. a, it's like um, Stone Fire Pizza mm-hmm. Bar. Mm-hmm. It is 21 and up because it is a tavern. Yeah. Sure. And, um, yeah, they... It's uh, it's a small bar next to, uh, on Arcadian, which I don't know if you're heading in from Milwaukee, it's Greenfield. Okay. It's the same street. You could take Greenfield all the way into Waukesha, sure. and then it'll be right there on your left, right next to a nice little root beer stand called John's Root Beer. Cool. And um, it's uh, it's it's not a music venue. Like I have I have to move tables and chairs out of the way out of the sure. uh, out of away from the wall. Um, I got a giant carpet. I throw down, cover up cords because it's important not to. Because cords are tripping hazard. It's, mm-hmm. it's important not to have cords. Like that's very. That's like I'm very obsessive about that. Like being on stage and stepping on cords. It's like mm-hmm. stepping on cords is like stepping on a bed with shoes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You could think about it that way. Yeah, not comfortable. Yeah, for sure. So I, I after we met, I was I was really curious about what you do, and I was following your music and what you've been up to, and I mean you and so can you talk to me more about the gender fluid kind of thing that so you decided like that was more that's a more recent thing for you is that correct? Um, or maybe about not. a year now. Okay, yeah. So can you tell? I mean, talk to me more about that, and and how has that affected your music? Um, yeah, I, well, I made the decision to stay with Anson Obvious just because it's, it's what, um, you know, it's what everybody knows already yeah. and it's just Your easier. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, I already have music like copyrights, you know, mm-hmm. under that name, but, um, yeah, the, the gender, f- like the whole gender fluid thing is like, it started off just, you know, I, a few years ago announcing that I'm asexual, like aromantic. And, um, you know, I, I do have a child, you know, I have mm-hmm. had intercourse before, so it's obvious. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, you know, it's just, there was a lot of, you know, arguments in the relationship. Like mm-hmm. my partner wanted sex as much and I really didn't want to. And um, I really didn't know much about that asexuality was a thing. I just thought this was what was expected. Mm-hmm. Like everybody was like hypersexual or like, like, cause like the, the world kind of like our motivation to live kind of revolves around that. But I didn't really have that, but I always thought I was supposed to like, so like I kind of felt like 
you know, there's something wrong with me. Like, why am, why can't I be like sexually attracted to somebody? It would be like life would just like I I don't want this for myself. Mm-hmm. Life would be so. I think it would be easier if I was that way, but I'm not. Like, mm-hmm. it's not a choice. And um, but then and and then also what what like. I mean, the fact that, like, men men are so negatively portrayed as sexual, hypersexual, dangerous beings, mm-hmm. I didn't identify as that as well. So I didn't, I don't want, you know, other women looking at me and seeing just another guy. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of when I started changing my gender and appearance. Like, I, I don't want to be judged as a man because sexually I'm not. Mm-hmm. And um, it was it was a struggle. Like, I've had my feelings hurt a lot that I wasn't accepted as female or feminine. So I feel now that like the way I dress and the way I look portrays who I am inside. Mm-hmm. And um, I wouldn't necessarily say go as far as like that I have gender dysphoria because I mean it's more like in it's more like only if people really misgender me in certain times when I don't want to be misgendered um that make me a little sad or upset and uh I don't feel like I was born, I don't feel like I was, you know, I like a lot of people who are on hormones and treatment and stuff, um, you know, they, they think that you have to or want to fully transition to a woman to be on hormones when that's, I mean, that's completely not true. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of non-binary, you know, g- uh, gender people who are taking it because of gender dysphoria. I feel more that I mean, I've always been more feminine than masculine and I want in inside and I've just started like recently as a year ago showing that mm-hmm. outwardness. But um yeah, like it's I feel like society has made me this way as opposed to like being born this way because of all the um gender norms and pressure Mm-hmm. that was put on us to be somebody specific. Um, the whole, like, the way that I grew up with women, you know, talking about how lazy and useless men are. Mm-hmm. And I never wanted to be that. I've always felt um, like I wasn't going wasn't going to be that person. Mm-hmm. I never wanted to be that. It was almost like I've always had this guilt trip from... Um, society and the influence and culture that I was somebody who was evil because I was born with a penis Mm -hmm. and um, I don't want to be that Mm -hmm. and I feel like a terrible person because I was born with one. Mm -hmm. Yeah but now you're you're feeling much more situated now. Yes I feel much more accepted now Mm -hmm. like in in 
like especially when you know when I go hang out with my lady friends mm -hmm. I feel more part of the group I feel mm -hmm. more accepted mm -hmm. as who I really am mm -hmm. and not like you know some not somebody that they're dating mm -hmm. or something you know I don't want to because I'm I'm not somebody who wants to date mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. Thank you for talking on that. And how has that, um, how has this, if it has affected your, your band relations, has that, um, how, how did that go when you decided to uh, transition to a physical appearance as a female? Um, it just went, I mean, I'm still the same person, mm -hmm. just changed my physical appearance. Yeah. And it's just, you know, um, there's, uh, Ron and Mouse have already been in a uh, um, band with a transgender artist already. So, you know, it's they they didn't, like, nobody, nobody's yeah. judging me on this. I've actually, like, there's there's a lot of a lot of people will say, oh, make sure nobody fucks with you and make sure you're safe when you go out. But I felt more accepted and, like, happy, like, being in public. Good. You know? Like, nobody has tried messing with me or, you know, um, I've had this had this guy. Uh, the closest thing was at Parkview Pub on Tetonia in north side of Milwaukee near Brown Deer. We did a show there, and um, this guy was like, so my dad would kill me if he saw me talking to a gay guy. I'm like, well, it's a good thing because I'm not gay. He's like, what? And I'm like, I'm like, no, I'm not gay. I was like... He's like, you're not into dudes? I'm like, no. He's like, why are you dressed like that? I'm like, because this is how I feel. This is what I want to be. And he, he, like, didn't click. He's like, well, well, my dad would kill me. He's just, like, like recycling, like, what yeah. he said. Like, we did not have this conversation. It's like, and, like, people come out to me, you know, with their homosexuality. I'm like, you know, good for you, and, you know, you can do this and that. But, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not interested and. You know, I mean, same thing with women. I've mm -hmm. had, you know, really close women that I'm really close friends with that have wanted to date me. And um, even after my transition, and it's, you know, you got to, you know, it's just, I just want to be friends. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. Totally. And that's really interesting. And thank you for explaining that because, I mean, yeah, there there is a difference between being asexual and and you know lesbian versus trans versus all of that. So, I mean, or am I getting that right? Is is yeah. that yeah? And I feel like as an asexual, I feel like um, not only well, it's more of a newly thing that it's welcomed in the LGBT plus community, mm -hmm. and um, I still. feel feel like I don't belong because, you know, like the gay and lesbian thing, like even those terms are sexually derived. Mm -hmm. Like they, they're, they're, they're related to sexual activity. And it's like now there's this, you know, new group that's accepted that is not sexually active at all. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's like everything that they're fighting for and we come in and we're like, we're we're not fighting for that, but we're fighting to be accepted for not. Mm -hmm. I don't. It's it's a, it's hard to explain. It's like it's like I feel like as far as like diversity with gender and sexuality, I feel like I'm not understood by anybody. 
-hmm. Like I have to explain this to everybody. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, uh, that's probably the most difficult thing about that. It's like people will look at me and all of a sudden assume something. Mm-hmm. No matter no matter what like gender I'm portraying or you know anything, people automatically assume that like I'm into men or you know something like that. But mm-hmm. well, now you can refer them to this podcast, and it can <laughs> it can be explained, and you don't have to say that anymore <laughs> for some for some people. But no, and and thank you for for talking on it so candidly because it is, and I mean. It, it is something that we can educate people on in, in having these discussions. And that's why I like to talk about some of these things because, I mean, it's it's a sometimes a tough topic to to get to, but it's important to to address these types of things. And um, and you kind of you sort of transitioned physically through uh, after the pandemic. Um, was that any sort of. Um, big jump for you was was that sort of the inspiration for for doing that um I think during the during the whole um lockdown or the the quarantine was what they called it I took um I had more time with myself Mm -hmm. and I was doing more things for myself Mm -hmm. so that you know when things started you know opening up again I'm just gonna be I'm just gonna be like well I want to be this person on the outside as well not just for myself mm-hmm. and so I started buying like other than the little few things that I had that I you know were in private I started buying more clothes for myself to wear out in public mm-hmm. and um a lot more makeup and like since then like a lot of my lady friends have just been constantly giving me things mm-hmm. and I just have such amazing supportive friends they're like here's some makeup and like here's dresses and you know here's well, I'm not I don't I'm not gonna <laughs> wear this anymore so I'm always looking through bags of clothes deciding <laughs> what I want like the most and I don't have to that's nice because I don't have to pay so much money for <laughs> my own stuff but nice yeah yeah, that's great. Yeah, and um, and then going back to the music, um, and are you are you taking the hormones? Or are you yes yes? So does that affect? I'm just wondering, does that affect how you sing and how you are as a performer? Not, um, not male to female. Uh, the other way around. Okay, got uh, it. Females to males, their voices it makes their voices lower. The hormones do. Got it. Okay. But but not like if I were to get a change, I would have to have surgery. Okay, got it. But I've had many people tell me not to because my vocal range is already pretty wide. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Okay. Because I can get high and low, like I can still do the bassy tones, and yeah, I don't think I want to lose that either. Yeah. Because that's 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 um. One thing that's a, like a change too. My act, as far as my transition, is like showing up with like a dress and makeup and wig and looking beautiful, you know, as beautiful as I can possibly be, and then just having this bassy voice come out. <laughs> yeah. Like I, yeah. I, I, I like reactions to that. Like I've been, I've been actually hit on at bars before, and um, and then you know, 
by guys, you know, who don't realize that I'm trans. And then, uh, you know, I get up at the microphone and, you know, the friends are laughing at them or something. <laughs> so That's awesome. Mm -hmm. For someone who really loves to get reactions out of people, I bet that is <laughs> a blast for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I just have a couple more questions about, um, you know, from the music perspective. I mean, what are some of the, the biggest lessons you've learned along the way from being in music? Um, just be nice. Just be nice. Yeah. Um, to everybody, you know, just um, being, it's important to be nice to, especially like stage crew, mm -hmm. because they're, they're busting their ass and they're not always having a good day. Mm -hmm. And they're in charge of making you sound good. Mm-hmm. Um, stage manager, stage crew, um, the, 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 the venues that you go play at, um, just be nice. Like, Hey, if they didn't pay you as much as you wanted to get paid, being, you don't have to play there anymore, mm -hmm. but still be nice to them. Mm -hmm. Still respect that they're running a business and that they're promoting local mm -hmm. music. Um, and, uh, you know, I've had, I've had a dark history, um, like as far as like conservative influence and um you know f from like family members and stuff like i don't want to go too much into it because you know i got a court date this wednesday for a restraining mm -hmm. order but against a family member but uh i i i um felt like i was forced you know into that from bullying and like a form of, uh, I want to say, um, I can't think of the word right now, the uh, like Stockholm syndrome mm -hmm. almost, mm -hmm. where I was the person, I grew up the person that I really didn't want to be. Like I was living mm -hmm. for somebody else, mm -hmm. like being bullied to like serve somebody else. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I didn't, uh, say, where, 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 where was I going with this? What was the last question you asked? The lessons that you've learned. Oh, yeah. And so, so because of that, I've also not been very nice to other musicians because I'm trying, I was portraying the character of the person that I was living for. Mm-hmm and living under their shadow. But, you know, I began to realize I would say certain things that would hurt people. Mm -hmm. And um, I wasn't that person who wanted to, you know, hurt people mm -hmm. with words. And that was definitely a lesson that I learned that's, um, cause there's nothing wrong with compliments. Like, just don't, Especially if you're a musician who's, you know, trying to get noticed. Um, you don't want to be, you don't want to have that d dark side show. Mm -hmm. You know, always compliment people, make them feel good for mm -hmm. what they're doing. And so, I mean, there's, if musicians, musicians usually ask, what do you think? I get that mm -hmm. a lot. Like, what do you think? Did I do good? And you, there's ways of telling them that they can do better by not telling them that they didn't do a good job. Mm -hmm. 
and just you know think about think about what you say before you say it mm-hmm. and whether or not it would hurt yourself if somebody said it to you or you'd take offense to it mm-hmm. but um a lot of people were say will say oh I, I've heard this many times. Well, I'm I'm helping them become a better musician by telling them the terrible. You're not. You're just discouraging them from becoming a better musician. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really good points there. Thank you. Really. Um, do you have uh, any advice that you give to people looking to become musicians right now? Don't do it to become famous. <laughs> Definitely, just do it because you love it and. Um, know that know that um, you. It's there's a very slim chance that you're gonna end up being one of those few musicians who makes money, for playing. There's there are musicians out there in Milwaukee, who do make money doing gigs every night, mm-hmm. and they have those gigs. You do not. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> <laughs> those gigs are already filled, and there's not very much more opening up. Right. So. Unless you're, you know, you plan on being the next generation when those people leave or die out. But there's a lot of waiting. It it takes a few years to get there. I mean, you're not just going to jump in the scene and, you know, be famous right away locally. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, but but go to those open mics because that's where yes. you meet those, you know, the people who could get you in, in those vacancies uh, when they happen. So... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then can you tell me a little bit about the music, the, the track that you sent my way? Uh, do you remember which piece that was? That may have been Stand at the Office. I think so. That was the last one that we played, recorded together fully as band, and we also released a music video for it as oh, well. Oh, nice. So, um, yes, it was, uh, it was, it was like, it's like the song is uh, like just a play on words. It is. Um, it was funny. Yeah, there's there's this um, musician I really like called Corey Maccabee, who was in a in a band. He's still making music as solo, but he was in a band called the Billy Near Show. And they would do a lot of stuff like that, a lot of like wordplay like that. Like they have this song called um, Barry and Caesar, where the lyrics are over and over again. I come to praise Barry, not seize him. I come to seize Barry, not to praise him. I come for mm-hmm. Barry. Have you seen him? Mm-hmm. And it'd just be like this wordplay repeatedly over mm-hmm. and over again. And I'm like, well, I want to write a song like this. It's kind of like Dr. Dr. Seuss-esque. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's um, a good way of saying it, actually. Yeah. yeah. So I wanted to write a song like this. You know, I wanted to come up with my own wordplay in a similar manner. And somehow just... Um, uh, the you know the the Miles Standish sandwich came to mind and it was like Stan Miles Miles Standish standoffish yeah, yeah. and just all these different forms of ways I can use these words and it, and I as putting them together it ended up telling like a storyline nice so it it's so visual that the that the the music video practically just directed itself. Cool. Because, you know, everything you, you visually see in the song comes to life in the music video. Man, I didn't see the video, but I listened to the track. But now I'll have to go back and watch it. So it's on your U- YouTube page? And I yeah. Imagine. Yeah, okay. I'll go find it. And we'll have to link to that in the show notes and everything, too. So awesome. 
Yeah, really, really cool. But it's just so, it's funny stuff. It's just like it's really entertaining to just. Mm-hmm. Li- I mean, it's more than just music. It's like it's it is like entertainment for sure. Yeah. Uh, and would you? I don't know. Would you describe more of your music that way? Yeah, it's it's very similar. Like not style, but like the whole like the way I write, mm-hmm. um, like the music topics. Mm-hmm. Um, my my demo "Ants and Obvious" and the uncomfortable moments with women are me putting myself in you know, uncomfortable situations with like women related. Mm -hmm. And I definitely have more ideas for songs that are Mm -hmm. gonna be under that topic. And uh, so yeah, that was my like first full solo EP. And then um, we, and then the the name, the band name, The Uncomfortable Moments came from that. Mm -hmm. Love it. It is, yeah, it is just so much fun to to listen to what you do and to follow along. And I'm just, yeah, I'm so glad you, you came out to that open mic and that we had a chance to meet. And is there anything that we didn't talk about that you'd like to bring up today? Yes. Go for it. I'm sure lots of stuff, but I'm not thinking <laughs> okay. about it right now. You can always uh, shoot me a message back and we can, we can add yeah. a little bit more um, here, but. Shout out to Ben Schmidt, who played Stan for the video. He's uh, oh. He was the straight man. Yes. And um I know Ben. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was like he was I think he was a perfect straight man because <laughs> I was like we were like I was like screaming in his face and we were like like I I built this this whole um office scene from stuff I bought from Goodwill or donated or whatever like all the desks and almost everything. Um it was a the the area was a children's birthday party room at my kids gymnastics nice. uh, facility which i'm like best friends with uh, ben the owner of wildcard gymnastics which nice. is not very far from here it's just like less than a mile yeah. probably like I've, I've i'm in this area all the time because i'm always taking them to gymnastics Perfect. and uh so but they were getting ready to move out of the facility they were getting ready to move they're like well you can use this birthday party room because i thought of I, when I saw it, I'm like, this is the perfect setting. If I can turn this into something that looks like an office. So they had like these giant sheets, tie-dye sheets that look like wallpaper. I'm like, well, I'm going to use these to tack them up on the wall and cover up all the party balloons. Love it. And um, like put like floorboard down to make it so that it doesn't look like sheets. And I put two desks and like a cubicle wall in there. It's just I turned it into what looks like a business office. And so it was perfect where he could just sit there and be the straight man and we can just, you know, break shit all around <laughs> him and, and throw things and he acts like nothing's going on. And I think that was kind of like the idea of the video almost as if like this is all happening in my head, like this is only happening to me and not him. Yeah. Because at the end of the video, everything's like back to normal and, and like put where it was and clean again. Nice. So it's like I wanted to be like this was all in my mind. That's kind so cool. of like what I visualized would happen when I went to go ask Stan for a sandwich. So the if he wanted a sandwich. So the end of the video is me walking up to him again about to ask him if he wants a sandwich. <laughs> I love it. I love it. We'll definitely include that in the show notes. So, yeah, thank you for telling us about that. All right, and where can we find you? Well, Billy D's the first Wednesday of every <laughs> month. Um, I do have a show in Kenosha at the Vault um, July 2nd. 
Uh, on the internet, you can find me at Anson Obvious and the Uncomfortable Moments band page. I do um, Instagram, and I used to do for a while uh, something called Musician of the Day, where I wouldn't do it every day, but I would um, take a picture. I stopped doing this, you know, after when during COVID shutdown, where I take a picture with musician and then write a little bio about them. And um, so if you go on my Instagram, you can see like two years worth of like musician bios with me, mm -hmm. me with pictures of other musicians. Um, I still have some that I want to do. I'm just not doing it often. Like I'll release one here and there like once a week or once mm -hmm. a month because I'm, I'm backed up. I got, mm -hmm. I probably got like 15 more pictures mm -hmm. with musicians. And it's been so long. Like some of these pictures were taken two years ago. It's mm -hmm. been so long where I'll look at this and be like, I can't remember who this is. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, um, it's 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 almost like you can use my Instagram as like a musician hookup app. Like, cool. Like if you you can read, you can. It's like you can read about local musicians and mm -hmm. you know see what their music is like or whatever like if you're looking for somebody to play with or like book a show go check it out yeah it's a good place to go like like i said i haven't done very much in the last year but i'll continue to if i remember when i'm at home mm -hmm. and i get nothing to do if i remember that exists mm -hmm. then i will like bring up a picture from like two years ago where a musician will be like oh i remember when we took that Nice. So. Nice. All right. We'll go find it. Well, thank you so much, Aureli, of Anson Obvious and the Uncomfortable Moments. Thank you for being here in the studio today. Thank you. All right. Have a good one. I didn't mean to be mean to Stan at the office, but I can seem a little standoffish. I should ask Stan if he wants a sandwich because I'm going to the stand to get a mild standish. <laughs> Stan if he wanted a standish Because I didn't mean to be mean to stand at the office I walked miles to the stand for a sandwich I accidentally got Stan the wrong sandwich So I, I ate the standish I ate it one-handed I arrived at the office and I was empty-handed I guess I'll go to the stand to get another sandwich I didn't mean to be mean to stand at the office I'm sorry, Stan When I got back, I gave Stan Miles a sandwich, and I told Stan to eat his sandwich in the office. I watched Stan shove his sandwich in his orifice. I stood over Stan as he ate his sandwich. Stan Miles ate his sandwich. He ate it one-handed. The Miles Standish that I got from the sandwich stand. I didn't mean to stand over Stan at the office, but I can see a little stand office. I'm sorry, Stan. I
I was, I was mean, mean to stand, stand at the office. office. I'm sorry, Sam. I was, I was mean to stand at the office. I'm sorry, Sam. I was mean to stand at the office. I'm sorry, Sam. I was mean to stand at the office. I'm sorry, Sam. I'm sorry, Sam. If I got you underwater last time, did I do it right this time, Sam? Did you get everything you need? Did I forget napkins? Do you like napkins, Sam? Do you want mustard? Do you like eat mustard on your sandwich, Sam? Hey, Sam, do you still like me, Sam? Do you care about me, Sam? Sam, Sam, Sam. I didn't mean to be mean to stand at the office. We are grateful for the patron support of Johnny Marzalkowski of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Thanks for being a good friend to Wisconsin Music Ventures and this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you'll leave ratings and reviews for us wherever you're listening from. Visit themusiciansventure.com for more information on upcoming guests, show notes, and ways to send us your topic suggestions. The Musicians Venture Podcast is hosted by Allison M., recorded at Podcast Town in Wauwatosa, Wisconsin, produced by Shannon Coulard, with theme music written and performed by Mike Neumeyer. Thanks again. <laughs>